All right, um, grab your Bibles and we're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're continuing our study through the book of 2 Timothy. Um, we are still in chapter 2. We've been in chapter 2 for a minute. Um, the last time, I guess, okay, let's just do this. What we do typically, last Sunday if you were here, we took a, a one-week break. Typically what we do is we go through books of the Bible. Um, I, I just take a book and we just preach through it. We finished 1 Timothy. We are now in 2 Timothy. Eventually we're going to get to Titus. Um, Austin did the math. And if we, if we do, was it seven verses a Sunday? We'll be there by mid-February. We'll be out of 2 Timothy by mid-February, maybe. <laughs> so... Uh, this is called exegetical preaching. We just go verse by verse, line by line, uh, and let the text bear its weight on us as the hearer. And the last time we were in 2 Timothy, uh, we saw the text where it tells us to remember Jesus. And I just think it's funny that, that Paul would have to tell a pastor to remember Jesus, but sometimes we can forget things like Jesus. We get complicated and convoluted Ideas in the church and we, we just fall flat on our faces. So Paul tells Timothy here, remember Jesus. Remember him. And then what are, we, what are we to remember about Christ? The person and work of Christ. And we see in chapter 2 verses 11 and through 13, this idea of these, the, the, the words of Christ are trustworthy. And it says there in verse 11, it says, For these sayings are trustworthy for if we have died with him we will also live with him if we endure we will also reign with him but if we deny him he also will deny us and if we're faithless he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself and so these ideas that Christ's word is truthful and trustworthy we can trust what's in the bible we can trust the text because it is a trustworthy book regardless of what the world tries to tell us the scriptures are trustworthy so today we're going to continue in verse 14 of second timothy chapter 2 and Paul writes, he says, remind them of these things. So what are we to remind them of? Remind them that the Bible's trustworthy. Remind them that the word of God is trustworthy. And then what are we going to do? And charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearer. So what is this about? Paul, Paul's telling Timothy in this verse 14 to go back and remind people not to engage and entangle themselves with false teachers. Now, if you remember, in the first part of the text, we're talking about false teachers and, and, and false doctrines and false ideologies. It was a, in a, a just everywhere in Paul's day. And in Timothy's day, false doctrine just was running amok around the church, a lot like Today, there are false ideologies, there are false doctrines, there are false teachers running around us, and we have to be careful. So Paul tells Timothy to remind the church, don't entangle yourself with false teachers. If you, rem if you remember in the beginning of the text, Paul warns Timothy about false teachers and attempting they're attempting to creep into the church. And they when they attempt to creep into the church, they try to divide 
the church up by false doctrines. And so Paul's telling him, be careful. First Timothy chapter one, uh, first chapter, I'm sorry, first chapter, verse 15. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned from me. Among them are Philetus. Remember this? Because these guys are going to get mentioned again. Remember these? I don't know who names their kids this. But Phygelius and Hermogenes, those two fellas are a problem. They had the appearance of solid biblical members of the church, but come to find out they weren't. These two guys seemed legit, but when the pressure was put on them, they fell short. They did not end up enduring the way Christ followers should endure. So Paul tells Timothy here to remind folks not to engage or entangle themselves with false teachers like these two gentlemen, because it'll end up ruining those who are around it and who hear it. Warn people. Timothy, warn your people not to go there, not to go around this. Don't get entangled. Don't debate these people. It's exhausting to debate people that have inferior or false theology. Because what ends up taking place is it pulls you down as the Christ follower and entangles you in things that get you off mission, off kelter, off focus. So don't don't do that. Stay away from these kind of guys. And then verse 15, this is our Awana's verse. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So what do we, what do we mean with this text? We say this every Wednesday night. We, we, we quote 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Huh? On, for if you aren't here on Wednesday nights, that's sort of, after we get done, it's a, it's a repetitive sort of kind of, we go through this with a beat, and at the end of it, we have the whole group jump down and go, huh? And so... That's, if you want to see that, come Wednesday night. So what does this mean? What does the text mean? Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. So it says, do, do your best here means to be zealous. Zealously persistent in accomplishing the goal that is at hand. And the goal that is at hand is to present yourself to God as one who understands truly how to handle, how to wield the word of God. How to handle it, how to hold it. Because what we end up doing is we try to take this text and use it in the, work, in the realm of schoolwork. Study yourself, show yourself approved. Now do your homework kids, right? That's what we try to do. That's not what this text is about. This text is saying, do your due diligence, be zealously persistent in studying the word of God, because that's what's going to make you approved. Understanding the text, understanding the text, you're right, you're not ashamed, not, not, not one that has to be ashamed of how you handle the word of God. You're, you're very confident in the word of God. Rightfully handling means cutting it straight. This idea of handling the word means cutting it straight. Paul was a tent maker and he, he was a preacher as well. And he was using this illustration of cutting the line straight in unpacking the text. Not deviating from the present course of what the biblical truth is. Could you imagine if in making a tent, if he didn't cut his lines right, what his tent was going to look like? The tent's going to be all, nobody's going to want to buy that tent. 
You want a tent that's got all its seams perfectly aligned? You want to be able to put it in and it, it expands and does what it's supposed to because you can stay in the tent. You don't get in a tent that's just halfway this and halfway that. And you, that's a mess, right? You don't want that. You want a tent that's, that's the lines have been cut straight. That They know exactly where they're going. This is the idea that he, he uses as this illustration. Don't deviate from, present, from the present course of presenting biblical truth. The word of truth is referring to all scripture. Unpack it and teach it properly. This is the idea. Unpack it and teach the text properly. Don't try to have some sort of a agenda that you want to have your own things pushed out. Stay true to the word and let the word do its work. We live in a culture that men, and also sadly, sadly women, are handling the text in a half-cocked, half-baked way. We get up and there's guys that get behind the pulpit and they just sort of kind of just willy-nilly this thing out and, and to, the, to the congregation. And it's a mess. The way we make stuff up and say things that are in the text that were never meant to be there. And we have people sitting in rooms just like this, eating up what is being pushed out from the pulpit and thinking that it's legitimate biblical content. And it's not. Just last uh, Christmas Eve, a week ago, there, there is a guy who was on TV that some of you probably listen to occasionally, and maybe even, because some of the stuff he says sounds sort of kind of okay sometimes. Same T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes openly denied the Trinity at his Christmas Eve service. Openly denied the Trinity. That is a heretical, damnable thing to do. And what's sad is he is discipling guys like Stephen Furtick, who people love to listen to Stephen Furtick. That guy is a heretic. This should be, he shouldn't even have a pulpit. He's a motivational TED Talk giver. He is not a pastor. He is not a preacher. He occasionally says things that are nice, but a broken clock is right twice a day. But you don't use it and rely, rely on it, right? You, you, you don't. So he gets up on his Christmas Eve service and openly denies the doctrine of the Trinity. And those men and women who are in this, this pack, and I call them a pack because I believe they're a pack of wolves that are devouring the sheep. T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen, Paula White, Joyce Meyer, just to name a few. Stephen Furtick. Those just to name a few. Those men and women are wolves in sheep's clothing and should be avoided at all costs. They are, they are damning people to hell with unbiblical teaching. Avoid them at all costs. All costs. Because what the message, the message that they're preaching is not a Christ-centered lift Christ up and make Christ made known. It is a man-centered message. We were just talking about this in Sunday school my wife went yesterday, went shopping with her sister-in-law and a couple other folks, and they were looking for some stuff for her niece's bathroom. And everywhere, in little girl's stuff, it's plastered everywhere all over the bathroom, for, for bathrooms and bedrooms. You're enough. You're strong enough. You're good enough. You're bright enough. You're, follow your heart. Trust your heart. All these doctrines that are being pushed out to little kids, and we wonder why they're struggling. Listen, you're not enough, but Christ is. And because Christ is enough, you'll be fine. 
Because Christ is enough, you will be fine. See how that's a man-centered idea that you're enough? If you start thinking and believing that you're enough, you will not trust the gospel. You will not trust the Bible. You will well, you know what? I'm smart enough on my own. Look at me. And so we've got these professors and we've got these teachers that are now teaching children things like this. And we've got, now we've got pastors. Stephen Furtick says this often that, listen, you are enough. No, you're not. You're not enough. But Christ is. Stay away from man-centered teaching. This is what Paul is telling Timothy here. Don't get entangled. Tell, he tells Timothy to persist in knowing the word of God well enough to explain it. Explain the text well to the hearer so that the message is beneficial and they gain biblical wisdom, not earthly knowledge. Verse 16. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. Heresy breeds heresy. False doctrine leads to more false doctrine. He's referring to avoiding false doctrine here. Because if you fall for one part of false doctrine, it's going to grow and it's going to cultivate and it's going to get bigger and it's going to become this monstrosity that sounds good, that looks good. They've got lights and they've got a big building. and those. Listen, that church has got 4,000 people. They can't. Not all 4,000 people could be wrong. Do you not remember the book of Matthew? says there's going to be two gates. The wide gate and the narrow gate. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many on that path. The gate that is narrow, there are few. It's difficult. It's not an easy path. Because it's not the easy believism of the day. So heresy will breed heresy. This is why it is so important that that we are careful with what we watch. What we listen to. What we're intaking, it needs to make, we need to make sure that it's lining up with the scriptures. This is the reason you must read the scriptures more than just on Sunday morning. Because if you're not reading the text other days, if you're just opening, when we're opening it for this 45 minutes, that's all you're getting. You ain't getting very much. You're spiritually malnourished and you don't know it. You need to open the Bible Monday through Saturday, as well as on Sunday. You should open this book off. You go, Caleb, well, you know why you open it, because you're the pastor. No, I want to open it and read it because it's the Word of God. Because it's the thing that's going to sustain me. And it can help me understand when there are wolves trying to knock at my door. So whatever you're listening to, whatever you're, whatever you're intaking, line it up to the Scriptures. If you got guys like T.D. Jakes that are denying the Trinity a, a biblical doctrine, turn him off. You got guys that are motivational TED Talk guys that say you're enough, that follow, follow your heart. Well, Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. The book of Jeremiah says that. Who can trust it? You can't. Who can you trust? Jesus. Don't follow your heart, follow Jesus. Amen? So. This is how so and this is this is how so many false teachers and false doctrines get into the world. Is we just sort of kind of there's literally there are tens of thousands, if not millions, of people sitting in buildings just like this, sitting and listening to doctrines, listening to teachings that have nothing to do with the scriptures, and they're all going, 
Yeah. I saw something this week that said, it had this guy's face and he had tears coming down his eyes in this meme and it said, the moment you realize that the prosperity gospel is offering everything that Satan offered Jesus. Don't avoid worldly empty chatter. Avoid worldly empty doctrines because they're going to lead to further ungodliness, verse 16. Then verse 17 gives us a vivid description of what happens if we allow wicked false doctrines and teachings into our minds and into our lives. Verse 17, and their talk will spread like gangrene among them. Here we go. They're back again. Hermogenes and Philetius, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They're upsetting the faith of some people. False doctrine will spread like gangrene. That's a vivid picture, isn't it? What happens when you get gangrene? you got to cut that out, or what happens? It's going to kill you. You might have to lose a leg or a limb of some sort. If you've got gangrene anywhere on your body, it must be eliminated because if it's not, it will fester and it will grow and it will populate and it will soon take over the entire body and bring death. So he says, this kind of false talk will spread like gangrene. And these men... What are they teaching? They, they were teaching some sort of a weird doctrine that, that the resurrection had already happened. That, 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 hey, it's already happened. You've missed it. You've missed the resurrection. Uh, the second coming. You've missed the resurrection. You're not, it, well, here we are. We're resurrected. Well, this is all I get? This is a mess. I don't have a, anybody in the room got a perfect body? Don't think, Jamie, it's okay. Don't think that about me, so. Nobody, nobody in the room's got a perfect body yet. We still got, we're still sin-filled beings. We still have death. We still have sickness, right? We just sang about that, right? There's going to be a day when we're going to reach that healthful shore. Then their sickness and death will be felt and feared no more. That's coming. Amen. I'm looking. Anybody looking forward to that day? No, I'm not. Am I the only one? Y'all like being sick? I'm just checking. In verse 18, we, we again have mention of these, these guys who were at one point in the church, but now they're spreading false teachings and upsetting the faith of people. Teaching a false doctrine that causes people to just have all kinds of problems. They're not, it's not building up the hearer, but it's causing them discouragement. Furthermore, in, in Psalms chapter 55, verse 21, the psalmist talks about the false teacher and what he's like. His speech is like, Smooth as butter, but his heart was war. His words were softer than oil, yet they were a drawn sword. What are these words? What is, he sounds smooth. Man, he is an eloquent, charismatic speaker. Listen to that guy. Woo, smooth as butter. But his heart breeds war. His words are softer than oil. You ever had some oil get in your fingers? Just soft to rub around in your fingers, right? Just the soft, smooth thing. But it's actually a sword coming out just to destroy. 
The words of false teachers will eventually destroy you, eventually kill you. Stay, Paul says, stay away from them, stay away from them, avoid the chatter, get away from them. Don't listen to these boys. And then in verse 19, he explains those who belong to him. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Get away. Listen, if you don't know Christ, you're going to be engaged in iniquity. If you don't know who Jesus is, you're going to be engaged in sinful behavior. You're going to be doing things that are wicked. You're going to be having talk and, and chatter that is godless, that is pagan. This is what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to shun and run from any type of iniquity. Period. Iniquity is immoral or wicked behavior. We're called in the text as Christians to depart from that. Get away from it. We are bought and paid for. You're bought and paid for by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what are we doing so often? If you're bought and paid for, some of us are wallowing around in the pits of sin with the pigs of the world. And yet, you don't, you don't belong there. That's not where you belong. You belong in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not playing with sin. Not rolling around in the muck and the mire of the world. You're called to be different. You're called to depart from iniquity. But God, His firm foundation stands. His foundation does not waver. The world's foundation's shifty. What's that old song? The wise man, where did he build his house? On the rock? Where did the foolish man build his house? On the sand. And when rains came down and the floods came up, right? Like last week? The rains came down and the floods came up. What happens? House that built on the rock, it stands. But the house that was built on the, on the sand goes away. God's foundation is firm and it does not move. And the, listen, here's the good news. The Lord knows His. The Lord knows who belongs to Him. And if you name the name of Christ... Run from iniquity. Run from sin. Confession is part of it, but we don't just, I don't just stand up here and say, listen, your pastor used to be a mess, but guess what? Here's the tr- here, that's one part of it. Yes, I was a sinner. I'm not excusing my past. I'm not excusing my sin. Here's what I can tell you. I've been bought and paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a new creation. Amen? Anybody else? Y'all sleep. Wow, all right, just checking. Christ is the Lord of my life. So this means he's the boss. That means he is the king. What do you, if there's a king, you don't, listen, you don't just walk up to a king and tell the king, hey, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do things the way I want to do things. We've been watching the docuseries, The Crown, the story of the British family and we're up to the point where Princess Diana is involved and she's engaged and she walks in and the, the royals are all standing in a circle and she gets in there stands there and and begin once she's engaged to Charles and she starts to go up to Charles and they go whoa stop it protocol 
do what you need to do now. And she's like, oh, oh so, I'm sorry. And she begins to do her curtsies and does all, and she messes it up. And they said, this is what you're going to do. A king doesn't, is not a gentleman. He's the king for a reason. And he has subjects and he's in charge. He demands you do what he tells him, that he, de he demands to do, or for you to do what he tells you to do. You don't get to tell the Lord, well, I may, maybe, maybe. You do what God tells you to do. Christ is the boss. Therefore, we do what he commands us to do, which is to live holy, separate lives from the world. We are to depart from iniquity. We are not to engage and make friends with the world. The scripture says if you're friends with the world, you're an enemy of God. We don't act like the world. We don't talk like the world. We don't do what the world does. We should look different. We should sound different. Amen? We should not be the kind of people that the world has. The scripture even goes as far as to call us aliens. People should look at you as if you're a green Martian. I mean, if, if a green alien with big eyes walked in here, none of us are just going to be like, well, yeah, he's here. All of us would be going, Yo, do y'all see that? You see, what is that? That's how the world should look at Christians. He's different. He doesn't engage in the crazy rhetoric. He doesn't engage, he doesn't engage in the hateful comments. He doesn't engage in, in these kinds of foolish things. He talks about the scriptures. Golly, that golly, all he does is talk about the Bible. He's a strange duck. Okay, cool. I'm a strange duck. I want to be a strange duck. We're called by God to be different. He knows his own, and those who claim to know him, they depart from iniquity. They depart from immorality. They run from this thing called immorality. They don't stick around to make friends with it. They run. They run. Mm. They run from iniquity. Is that you today? Let's bring it home. That's... This is all talking about false doctrines and false teachers. If you're listening to false doctrines and false teachers all the time, you will eventually get engaged in some sort of iniquity. Prideful arrogance, iniquity, immorality, you name it. Because the modern day prosperity, famous, big wig, mega church, big Eva stuff doesn't point us towards repentance and trusting the gospel. It points us towards you're awesome. You've got, God owes you a house, a car, a big fat bank account, maybe a good looking spouse. That's what God owes you. Like, listen, to you boil down the message of these guys, and this is the kind of stuff they're teaching. But God owes you these things. And so, if you're, if you're not engaged in the, or if you're engaged with that kind of rhetoric, that's where you're going to eventually get to iniquity, immorality, sinfulness. Scripture tells us to avoid these things and to know God because God knows his own and you need to know God. And if you know God, you're going to depart from, you're going to see it coming a mile away. You're going to see false doctrine coming a mile away and be like, whoa, 
not today. Keep that off my TV. Keep that off my podcasts. Keep that off my streaming services. I'm not listening to that trash. I'm not going to entertain that junk. My aunt texted me last night and said, Did you know for a certain donation of Joel Osteen's ministry, he'll send you a calendar? It's a blessed calendar. And people are believing this trash. If I send him $24.99, I can get a blessed calendar. I'll just go to Walmart and pick up another calendar from Walmart for $10. It's a calendar. Amen? I don't need a blessed calendar from Joel Osteen. I need the the word of God. And listen, 2024, I believe, is going to be a strange year. It's going to be a weird year. It's an election year, so they, they get weird. Amen? They get weirder and weirder every year. Every election year gets weirder. I think it's going to be a strange year. And if we're not tied to the word of God, listen, we're going to be blown around by every false doctrine that's thrown out there, every false ideology that's thrown out there. If we're not connected to this, there's going to be problems in our lives. This has to be the thing that we read, we study, we meditate on, we get into, and we just we go all in. We don't just go halfway. We go all in for the glory of of King Jesus. We have to. Because if we don't, it's going to be a mess. So that's, that's the challenge. Bring it home for 2024. Trust Christ. Trust His Word. His Word is trustworthy. And, and what does the Scripture say there? It says if we endure, what? If we have died with Him, we also will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Listen, we've got to endure. Endure the crazy that's coming. Because there's coming a day that that crazy will be gone and Jesus will be king. I, I, I long, listen, I long for my nation to be one for Christ. And if that makes me a Christian nationalist, so be it. Christian nationalist is not, and listen, I'm not praying that the GOP runs the place. The GOP is sinful and needs to repent. And so is the, so is the Democratic Party. Both teams are pagan in their origin. They need to trust Christ. Period. Because at the end of the day, we're not standing on old glory. You know what we're standing on? The Word of God. In 10,000 years, In the kingdom of God, the stars and stripes aren't waving. You know what's waving? The banner of God's truth. I, my allegiance is to King Jesus alone. And am I thankful for America? You bet. Am I glad I live here? Absolutely. Am I a patriot? Yes. But they pale in comparison to my love and and desire to serve Jesus. I love Jesus more than I love anything else. That includes my country. Because there's coming a day that our country's going to be gone, but Jesus won't. Amen? So what's our calling? Those who endure will reign with Him. He's He's going to reign as King. And guess what? If you're with Him, you get to reign with Him. You get to have authority with Him. But, what's the next one? If you deny Him, He's also going to deny you. Well, I figured out my. I figured this out on my own. I'm a rock. I'm an island. I can do it. My. I'm. I'm enough. 
If you deny him, he's going to deny you. That's going to be a sad day. Don't make the mistake of denying King Jesus. Be confident in saying, I want to follow and love the God of the Bible. I want to submit my life to what Jesus says. I want to be his servant. I want to be his child. I want to do what he's called me to do, not what I want to do. Amen? That should be our anthem for 2024. So as we finish up, that's the challenge. Are you willing to trust in the Lord? Are you willing to fear and reverence King Jesus? The beginning of, fear, the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. You want to have wisdom in 2024? Revere God and his word. Trust God and his word. Follow God and his word. And it's going to get you where you need to be. Where you need to be. And it's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. Let's stand together.